start off with a bit of a question tonight. What's next? We've had a, uh, an interesting couple of years in many realms, uh, in uh, societal, health, religious, polit political, in lots of different directions, uh, lots, of diff lots of things have changed in the last couple of years. I'm shaking like a leaf. That's <laughs> all. It's, uh, I normally talk to about this group down here, all right? So it's a, it's a bit of a different gig tonight for me. I'll, I'm going to take a moment to adjust to it. But uh, there's been a fair bit of change in the last few years, and uh, and I guess I mean I guess that's been that's been true of uh, that's been true of every every time time frame through history um, is that there's uh, you know always been constant change. It just seems that to me it's uh, it's it's just been crazy in the last few years, the, the rate of change which is, uh, which is happening. And, uh, and I guess I wanted to ask the question initially, uh, at the start of this talk, what's next? And, uh, and I think many of us can, we can sort of start to join the dots looking around us. Um, true Christianity is becoming, uh, is becoming not only less and less prominent in society, but it's becoming more and more unpopular. True, true, true Christianity. Um, and, uh, and, and we can see that, uh, there's all kinds of, uh, all kinds of upheaval in society. Um, there's, uh, there's scriptures in, uh, Daniel that talk about in the last days. And, and, and one of the little sort of indications it gives us about the last days, it talks about how in the last days many would run to and fro and knowledge should be increased. And if there's, uh, if there's any two things that really nail down a particular time in history, I would say those pretty much indicate now in a way that nothing else ever, ever has before. In fact, if you, uh, if you go onto a website called Flight Tracker or something along those lines, you can look at a map of the world and you will see that there are, depending on what time of day it is, 15, 20, sometimes 30,000 aeroplanes in the sky at any one time. At any time. Just have a look at, like, zoom back out to it so it shows the whole world, and the world is just covered with all of these little aeroplane icons. Many will run to and fro. We've got people who, a couple of days ago, were freezing in Canada, <laughs> and now they're out here roasting in Australia. You know, like, we're, we're able to literally go from one side of the world to the other, one time zone to another, one season to another, at almost the drop of a hat. And if I decided right now that I wanted to be in London by this time tomorrow, there's probably a way I could ma manage it if I had enough money. Like, like that is, that is a journey that would have taken months, even just a hundred years ago, right? And, uh, and on top of that, the, uh, the other one I really want to think about, perhaps that indicates where we are, is that knowledge shall be increased. And I, I think I've said before, actually, that I, I used to sort of wonder about that when I was a kid. I, I was a kid pre-internet, by the way, just for those. I know I don't look like it, but, but I was. And, uh, and any, why did that, why did you laugh? That's mean. Um, but anyway, I, I, I used to wonder about that when I was a kid, like knowledge shall be increased. Oh, that's going to be cool. The whole, the amount of rubbish has increased as well. It's not, it's not just good knowledge. It's all kinds of stuff. And, and you don't even know whether half of it's true. There's no way to tell whether half of it's true. And, uh, and it seems like even, even the, 
the smallest, most obscure little points can suddenly become these massive issues which suddenly get an incredible amount of oxygen and publicity when they came from nothing. Let's turn to a scripture, Isaiah chapter 59. By the way, if you, if you appreciate any kind of literature at all, uh, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that I know too much about literature, but if you appreciate any kind of literary advances or anything along those lines, have a read of these few chapters of Isaiah. They are beautiful. Like, they are beautifully, beautifully written. But anyway, we're gonna, we're gonna have a quick look at a couple of scriptures now. I've, uh, I've got a, got a bit of Andy going on. Beautiful. They're beautifully written. Um, Isaiah 59 here in verse 14. And judgment is turned away backward. Wow. When, uh, when, when you are, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of not on Twitter or, 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 you know, uh, but but I see enough, you know, even just in 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 the media, in in mainstream press, in in just pop culture references, like you 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 absorb by osmosis all of this stuff that's around us all day these days, and uh, and uh, even just some of the some of the things that I see in in pop culture about you know platforms like Twitter and and I guess the way social media works, judgment is turned away backward. You know, there's, there's people who just go after all kinds of crazy theories, all kinds of crazy lines of thought, and they just jump on them and they pursue them like their lives depend on it. Judgment is turned away backward. Justice standeth afar off. For some reason, I sort of see Batman standing off in a, off, is on top of a building, standing back off. I don't know. I don't know if that's what Isaiah was thinking about. He might not have heard of Batman, but anyway. Justice standeth afar off for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Equity sort of means fairness. Like there's there's a a paucity of fairness in the world now. Verse 15, yea, truth faileth and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. I can remember even, you know, sort of five years ago, you you could could get a conversation maybe going at work or, or, you know, on the office. Went back when we used to work in offices, um, and, uh, you know, around the office, or, or you could, you know, talk about things, and you could, you could talk about something that was just and right. And there might be, you know, there might be differing viewpoints, but most people had a fair consensus about what was just and right. Good luck. Now, like there are, there are just so many different viewpoints, so many different perspectives, and your truth is not my truth, and, and like it, the, the truth faileth. Like what the real truth is has been lost, and I don't think it's any—I don't think it's any uh, any chance that uh, one of the first things that uh, that Satan did was to call into question what the truth was. Did he really say you were going to die? Really? Just call it into question. Just be subtle. Just call the truth into question. Truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. We we get called the baddies now. You know, we want to stand up for morals. We want to stand up for doing things the right way. We want to stand up for doing things the Lord's way. And that's a good way to make yourself a prey these days. That's a good way to make yourself the target of attack. Second Timothy chapter th- 3. Just after First Timothy, for those of you having trouble finding it. Second Timothy chapter 3. But evil, in verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's a nutshell right there. That's, uh, that's, that's half of Twitter and most of Facebook, all in one little statement right there. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But 
Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And from a little, ch- and from, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Knowledge may have increased, but wisdom didn't keep up. Like knowledge might, might have exploded, but the wisdom has stayed the same and human beings decided to leave that where it was. And, uh, and we see here, we, we see that these, uh, these holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto, unto salvation. There's a reason why this is a book that hasn't changed in 2,000 years. The Lord set down what he wanted for us and it's still the same and it's still the truth today. But we, we read here about evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And, and, and I guess one of the things that I really want to drive home tonight is that uh, deception is one of the main tools that, that Satan uses to destroy the truth. Not, not necessarily without right, uh, outright, you know, rejecting of, of true Christianity, but just calling it into question. Just making it slightly uncool. Just making it slightly irrelevant. That's how you deceive and, and, and continue to have others deceived. I guess if, uh, if you were in control of the, uh, of the, the mission to try and bring down the true church or, or the true Christians, what would your action be? And maybe some of us, you know, maybe we might try and outlaw. And in some countries, being a Christian is outlawed. But, uh, but in our society, there's a whole lot more subtle approach. I guess the things that I might think about trying to do is maybe you would, uh, maybe you would sideline marriage. Maybe you would sideline lifetime commitment between a man and a woman because uh, that's going to cause broken families. And broken families quite often causes broken people and if you put enough broken people together, you get more broken people. Maybe that's one of the things we could uh, sort of spread a little bit of a, uh, a, a deception about. Maybe contentment. We'd, uh, you'd spread the rumor, you'd spread the deception that contentment is available through things. And you'd spread the rumor that, uh, or, or the deception that, uh, contentment is, uh, is something which, well, it only, it only comes in fits and starts every so often. You know, when you're with the, when you're with the prettiest person or when you're with the, uh, you know, the right crowd or when you've got the right lighting for your Insta feed or something, that's, that's when contentment is available. But for the rest of the time, nah, you have to buy something new and then you'll, then you'll have a slice of contentment. Maybe those are the kinds of, uh, kinds of little, little deceptions we would spread if we wanted to bring down the true church. Look around us and you'll see uh, a whole lot more. But there's one more that I want to talk about and maybe just for the remainder of this talk. There's one more little, little truth, perhaps, on the, on the opposite side of the coin. There's a truth that perhaps isn't always abundantly obvious to us initially, but it just might save your spiritual life. And that is, your natural mind doesn't want you to be saved. Your natural mind doesn't want you to be saved. And if something in your head just said, what are you talking about, Sinclair? My natural mind's fine. Then that's probably your natural mind, right? Your natural mind doesn't want you to be saved. And just, just in case you thought I was making it up, let's go to Romans chapter 8. Talking about truths and deceptions, and this is a truth. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. 
For to be carnally minded is death. That means your natural mind is geared towards death. That means your natural mind does not want you to be saved. Our natural mind, if it starts feeding us stuff, maybe it's a bit of a barometer for us as to, uh, as to whether we're walking in the natural mind or whether we're walking in the spiritual mind. Because we go on here because it says, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means it's the enemy. And it's worse than the enemy. It's, it's an enemy that cannot be placated. It's not like there's going to be any peace talks anytime soon. It's an enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Now you might think, well, so what? I live with my natural mind all the time. What are you going to do about it? Well, the Bible tells us that we, through the Spirit, are able to kill the, de- the, the, the deeds of our natural mind. In verse 13 it says, For if you live after the flesh you shall die, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. And I guess if I, if I want you to take one thing away from this talk, it's the truth that your natural mind is trying to trick you. Your natural mind is trying to deceive you. Your natural mind is trying to continually take you in a direction away from the Lord. Now, praise the Lord, when we're built up in the Spirit, when we're walking in the Lord, maybe the natural mind gets tucked away in a corner and we don't hear from it terribly much. And if that's the case for you, praise the Lord. If you're sitting at camp here and you're loving it and you're saying, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but it's not a problem for me at the moment, then praise the Lord. That's fantastic. But uh, but if you're sitting there and you're thinking, how yeah, does he think he knows what I'm thinking? Then that's probably the natural mind, right? And I, I want to throw another couple of thoughts to you, towards you and see how they feel. I work all year. I get up early every day when I'm working, and now I come down to camp, I come down for a holiday, and then some clown up the front's telling me I've got to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning to have some prayer. No chance, champ. Like, if that's if that's your natural mind, then that tells you that the natural mind's running the show, right? Yes, it doesn't make much natural sense to be down here at 8 o'clock in the morning, but you know what? This morning, I walked out of here on air. I had a great prayer time this morning, partly because I was freaking out about tonight and I really wanted the Lord's blessing on tonight, but I had a really great prayer session and I'd recommend it for anybody. We have got this, this buffet of spiritual delights laid on for us, which starts with this all-you-can-eat breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning. Your natural mind will say, nah, I'd rather sleep in, thanks, Jan. That's what your natural mind will say. Because it doesn't want to lose control. It doesn't want to hand over to the spiritual mind. But when, when you invoke that spiritual way of thinking, when you invoke the spiritual mind, then all of a sudden the spiritual mind starts feeding you the good stuff, the stuff that's based on truth. Here's another thought for you. Do you want me to go to how many meetings? And two on a Sunday? You've got to be kidding me. That's your natural mind. Tithes, how much? Right? That's your natural mind. None of this stuff makes any sense to the natural mind. And if your natural mind is running the show, then guess what? You're going to miss out on a heck of a lot of good spiritual stuff. And I can tell you, as someone who's very much operated in both in both stages at many different times during my walk in the Lord, 
when you're when you're operating under the influence of your natural mind, it's it doesn't it doesn't feel good to want to go towards spiritual things. It just feels like it's a grind, and you feel like I don't want to do that. But when you do, when you when you subdue the natural, and when you invoke the spiritual, and when you start praying and stirring up the Holy Spirit and making the commitment, making the Lord your number one priority, all of a sudden you're flying in a way that you perhaps don't even appreciate or didn't even think you could when you were stuck down in the dirt. Let's go to one final scripture, Philippians chapter 2. I've cut out a whole heap. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We are, we are to take on the mind of Christ. That's what this is all about. When you're thinking the same thoughts Jesus thought because you're motivated by the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden a prayer meeting is going to seem like the best, best idea in the world. You can't wait to be there. When all of a sudden your tithes seems like the only way you want to be thankful to the Lord. You're just like, yes, Lord, thank you for my job. Thank you for making it so that I can live in a home and eat hot meals most nights. Like, praise the Lord for those things and you'll start to think uh, about things the right way. Um, where are we? Verse 5. Let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant or a slave and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You read about how Jesus Christ is in heaven. Like you read about in Revelation towards the end, just before he returns, you read about the magnificence of Jesus Christ. He left that magnificence to come down here and be a human being. He's shown us what it means to be humble, what it means to put aside the, the, the natural, rational stuff and be humble and become a servant. And, uh, and praise the Lord, through his example, and if we go on to read here, um, verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now, I was going to read on, but we've got God waiting in the wings for us, ready to exalt us forever, and all it takes is to just take the natural mind kick it in the head, push it to the side, and walk in the spirit, and then we're ready to be exalted. And all the people said... 